Hi again. How are you, Matt? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. So, uh, how about, thank you so much for joining us today. And we are very glad for you to take time out for this podcast. And we are looking forward to gaining a few insights uh, that you have about remote employment, in-house employment, and the general startup ecosystem in the United States as uh, a b bigger perspective, but uh, more importantly in New York, and then of course globally as well. So how about you share a short background of yourself and uh, what your work experience has been up to this point in time, and then further on. Absolutely. So I originally grew up outside of Cleveland, Ohio, and I went to school in university, uh, at University of Vermont. And uh, after, after spending four years up there, I was craving some big city action. So I jumped over to New York City and I started my career in advertising. And I worked on Madison Avenue for a few years and got a really, really great experience that eventually allowed me the ability to get a job in politics. And I, I ran the New York media team uh, for the one of the leading political firms in the country. Um, and Bully Pulpit Interactive really got famous from working on the Obama campaign, both 2008 and 2012. Um, I was lucky when I got there to work on some, some candidates I, I really admired and, and looked up to. And I did media strategies for Governor Cuomo and Elizabeth Warren. Rob Emanuel. And it was there that I got a, a really good experience on how to harness data in order to personalize communication and, and reach, um, reach voters uh, in, in a better, more personalized, efficient, and effective way. Um, and a lot of that uh, learning that I had there uh, was built into the, the foundation of MedPilot, um, which is a company I started a little over four years ago. Wow, that's interesting. So, uh, MediPilot, now that you're talking about the fact that you worked on um, Obama's campaign and all that, what about Obamacare? Is that also linked to your story with MediPilot? Yeah, so, um, and, and to be clear, uh, my firm worked for Obama. <laughs> I was oh. just lucky enough to work at the firm. Um, oh, wow. But uh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yes, uh, to answer your question, Obamacare uh, was a big driver of MedPilot um, insurgents. We, we essentially uh, came into a situation where you know, medical billing to patients hadn't changed in about 30 years. And you know, all of us who have ever received a medical bill um, have probably felt the same kind of combination of confusion, annoyance, uh, you know, Anxiety. really just... A general, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a challenge. And for some reason, you know, we don't uh, in 2019 really communicate with our friends through uh, letters, but, you know, still primarily all medical expenses are handled with snail mail and $180 billion is transacted just using snail mail um, and, and old techniques like that. So um, Obamacare and the Affordable Care Act giving most of America insurance um, and, and really expanding the coverage, also expanded uh, high deductible health plans. And with high deductible health plans, a lot more of the onus fell on the patient to, you know, for, for more responsibility of paying their bills. And that larger portion of money coming from the patient is really what opened up an opportunity for MedPilot, because um, now all of a sudden healthcare providers were 
just relying on ineffective techniques like snail mail and sending out paper statements. They wanted to actually have a better ability to talk to the patient. And, uh, and that's where MedPilot comes in. Right. So 30 years of no change, that meant MedPilot had a huge overhaul uh, at its uh, pioneering. The overhauling of uh, medical pills is what you're trying to say? 30 years worth of overhauling? Yeah. Yeah, we we really tried to transform the process. And now, uh, you know, healthcare providers that work with MedPilot have the ability to use a multi-channel personalized approach when speaking with patients. And we leverage digital technology, uh, like emails and texts for for patients across the country, as well as still using standard techniques like like statements and phone calls to Mm -hmm. support them. And Know, by using all of those different channels and optimizing based on you know, how the patient is actually looking to communicate with us, um, we're able to, to not just create a more effective way of speaking with patients, but also a lot more efficient one. And, uh, you know, obviously, <laughs> sending out a statement is a lot more expensive than shooting out a text message. So if you can resolve um, people's questions easier and through digital methods, um, you can save the healthcare provider a lot of money. And save us, <laughs> the people that are speaking with the healthcare providers, a lot of the of having to lick and mail statements and going, going to get your checkbook and resolving your medical bill that way. Right. So consolidating everything collectively and it's a little more uh, patient-oriented or client-oriented of how they would wish to be told the bill. Exactly. Exactly. And we're really, really proud. You know, we've worked with over 650,000 patients uh, since the inception of MedPilot. And um, we're really, really proud to be boasting a 97% patient satisfaction score, which is my personal favorite statistic of ours. Um, you know, we've really proven that if we created a solution that people like to use, um, you know, the healthcare provider wins too. <laughs> if, we can, if we can solve patients' questions, if we can reach them in more efficient ways, if we can help them around affordability and all of these problems, um, you know, the healthcare provider wins too. And, you know, whether it's us answering a question or us resolving a bill, or, you know, we're able to help that process. So it's a linkage between a healthcare provider and a patient and basically communication lines are open between the two of them. Exactly. Exactly. So doesn't doesn't uh, remote, if not employment, then isn't your client remote? And doesn't that sort of also... Um, I don't know, add on to the whole uh, sphere of remote, of being remote? Yeah, correct. You know, we, we, we try to give patients the easy ability to speak with their providers or resolve bills from a remote location um, through our application. And so for us, um, yeah, absolutely. Right. So um, we have already seen that your takeaway would be your favorite statistic, which is the 97% satisfaction rate that you have. And I would say that's rounded off to 100%. So there's really no um, thing that you would want different, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah, we're always, you know, for us, we're, we're, uh, we're always looking to grow and we're always looking to work with more people. So um, we're really, really excited to be um, and, you know, boasting such a high, you know, satisfaction score with our patient population. But, you know, we're excited to take the next leap and go from 650,000 to, to 1 million patients soon. And, and hopefully, uh, you know, ho- hopefully continue to grow and expand. And, you know, there are, you know, unfortunately for us, uh, you know, there everyone 
in, in their life will receive a medical bill. And, and mm-hmm. our goal is, is uh, for whether you're receiving your medical bill or whether you have a question or want to resolve a survey, um, we hope that that'll be taking place on MedPilot soon. Right. So how did you get MedPilot? Uh, as in, how did you create it? Did you, you had your in-house uh, workers there? Correct. Yeah, no, we, so we originally founded MedPilot in New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, and I uh, was, was very bored going back and forth on a train from New York to DC in my political job and um, was brainstorming with friends around ideas. Um, and, uh, you know, that one of those ideas uh, eventually, um, after a few pivots, turned into MedPilot. And, um, you know, when we were originally creating it in New York City, um, you know, we, we started to grow a little bit, but it was very challenging for us. Um, you know, I don't have a software development background. Uh, my co-founder didn't either. And so, you know, we, we were lucky to find some really incredible software developers at the beginning. Um, but as we started to grow, we actually moved our company from New York City to Cleveland. And uh, in, in less than a year, we went from five employees to over 30. Um, and we really started to grow. And as we moved and grew in the in the Midwest. Um, it's it was challenging to find developers, and so, you know, I, I think we were pleasantly surprised that, um, you know, there were a lot of advantages of being a technology company um, in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, we had an incredible ability to attract talent, um, especially in healthcare. It's an, it's it's one of the best healthcare cities in the world, right. um, and so that that aspect was fantastic. But from a software development standpoint. Uh, it is challenging, and that's a pretty c- common refrain that you hear uh, from tech companies in the Midwest. Is you know there's there's definitely a, a hard uh, lack of talent to kind of bring in, and everyone's fighting over the same couple developers. And so um, I think there's a great opportunity um, for remote uh, employment when you're trying to build a company that's you know maybe not necessarily in one of the core cities where all the software developers seem to be in. Um, and so for us, uh, you know, we, we have really relied on in-house talent, but as we continue to grow, uh, you know, re- remote engineering definitely is a great way for us to kind of take it to the next level. Right. So obviously you want to grow out. Um, how many states are you presently present in or is it open to all states currently? Yeah, so we're, we're, we're fully national. We're, we don't currently have healthcare providers in every single state. Um, but we do have healthcare providers and a good good number of them, and you know we're fortunate that it's you know we're tech, our technology is in a place where um, we're it's very easy for us to integrate and set up with a healthcare provider, and from there, um, you know they can run it in whatever state they want. <laughs> so we you know we don't need to be present and at their location for it to work smoothly. Um, our whole team's in Cleveland, um, so. But, uh, you know, always a short plane ride away um, for some face to face. But, you know, really a lot of our clients today, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's funny, but I've actually, you know, haven't even met them in person yet. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we're so fortunate that we're able to grow and expand. Yeah. Well, yeah, our, our technology, you know, is being built um, in Cleveland, Ohio, mm-hmm. uh, but it's being sold all over the country. Right. So do you have a number of the number of states you're present in right now or is it uh, all of them. The, coming back to the question um, that was previously asked. Yeah, it's, it's a uh, great question, and I, I I actually don't know the exact number off the top of my head, <laughs> but oh, wow. um, I do know de- definitely many dozens uh, of states. Yeah. 
That's nice. So isn't it good if you have your consolidated number of states all over and you know where you want to grow even more? Because obviously California is one of your biggest and richest um, states uh, that we have here in America. And, uh, you know, you would obviously want to definitely expand not only in the state or, or state-wise, but rather city-wise as well, you know. Target states Absolutely. that would definitely give us a bigger return. Absolutely. No, I think that's a great point. <laughs> so, um, moving on. How about, um, what do you think? You've already talked about your pivots before you finally reached your med pilot, uh, you know, your final product. So what were your pre-pivot stages and what do you think you could have done differently or, you know, something that you think should not have been done in the first place? Anything as a startup founder that you can, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty <laughs> sure you have a lot of anecdotes over there. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely made a few mistakes uh, through this experience, and I think that's um, that's the fun part of of starting a company is is you learn very quickly what you know and what you don't know, um, and that your your job is to quickly adapt and and fix things when it doesn't go exactly as planned, which I've learned is is pretty much never. Uh, <laughs> it's a roller coaster, and so for us, I think um, one of the most challenging things that we face. Um, and sort of pivots, um, you know, was on the development side of our product. Um, you know, we, we definitely built products that were, you know, fully sunsetted and had to be rebuilt again, just purely because they weren't scalable. And, you know, so we, we got up a, a quick MVP. It was great. And it was running, um, you know, our original couple of customers, but in order to take on the bigger customers we have today, we learned very quickly um, we needed a stronger foundation. And I think, you know, one thing I would do differently is, you know, I, I don't have a, a product management background. And I think, you know, if we had had a stronger product management, um, you know, talent on our team early on, um, we would have really been able to leverage the the talents of our initial kind of software development initiative. Um, you know, it, we, we kind of were just hoping we could <laughs> sit back and have our product get built and, and have it run itself. And that's very far from the case. Um, so I think for a lot of the founders and entrepreneurs out there that um, don't come from a software development background, it's really, really important to try to bring people in early, early on that have that, uh, mm -hmm. whether your developers are remote or internal. Um, mm -hmm. It's not easy to manage people that you don't know what's going on. <laughs> so as you can, can probably imagine. imagine. So, uh, yes, it's, it's, I think it's really, really critical. And um, if you don't know something, start asking questions very quickly. And, um, and you can hopefully be able to, to build a beautiful, um, impressive, scalable technology. Right, of course. Um, so your uh, advice to startups around you. And I think I have already taken one point from you about that advice. But I would like you to voice it out in as many words, probably, that you would, would you think that taking on a product manager, uh, whether for the first couple of months or till your product is viable enough to, you know, um, after your beta testing and everything of the sort, that you would need a product manager. It's, it's critical at those stages, whether in-house or contractual 
Would absolutely. you advise? Absolutely. Right. So R- yeah, really, really just, really just from an advice standpoint, like I think that um, you know there are things that are really easy to figure out, <laughs> and then there are things that you should bring in early. Um, and I think that for a lot of companies, um, being able to really manage a software team, maybe you can figure it out super early stage when your products, you know, maybe only being used by a couple of customers, but in order to build a, a really, truly, um, strong foundation, it's not something that I think, uh, people should skimp on. And especially, you know, with, you know, remote workforces all over the country and the, and the world, even that. Um, can really help power your team. I think that you can harness those talents as long as you have the right internal <laughs> person to help um, kind of lead that drive. Um, sure. And whether that per- whether those developers are in the next room over from you or across the country, um, mm-hmm. it won't matter if you have the right management experience on your team. Of course, so you so you need the right team player in that team in order to be where you want to be faster and probably less expensive. Even though out of pocket, you might feel as if you're paying more, but in the longer run, it's not being penny-wise bank-finished, probably. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I think you can't really cut corners in this in this area. And so to your point, even if it's a little bit more expensive, what's really expensive, which we've unfortunately had to do as most companies, is when you build a product that you don't end up getting to use for that long because you have to go rebuild another one. Um, and so sometimes you have to invest more up front to, to really have that foundation in place. Right. Interesting. Interesting. So how do you think uh, places like Gaper would synergize uh, with places like yours? Because I think there's no end to growing. Because right now you are obviously on a growth trajectory within the United States. Wouldn't you want to go global even? Because right now there are absolutely no boundaries where technology is concerned. So would you not want to, you know, partner with such a firm that will able will be able to handhold or, you know, again, synergize or partner and grow from there together? Absolutely. No, I think, you know, as I mentioned earlier, when you're in certain cities um, that are bubbling over with software development talent. I think it's really helpful to have companies like Gaper that um, can give you the resources and the access to those ta- to that talent um, mm-hmm. to help you grow. And I think that it's also in turn very good for the cities. Um, you know, I think some people consider it a little bit of a chicken or the egg situation, but really, if you want to get more and more of your city, um, you know, into the tech world, uh, as I know, Cleveland and a lot of these Midwest cities are trying to break into it. Um, I think it's important for you know them to have local tech companies that are growing and growing, and that will in turn give more job opportunities and you know cause more people in college to maybe switch over to software engineering and and kind of help change the trajectory. And so I think you know companies like Gaper can help open up the technology needs um, and innovations to to companies all over the country in a way that will in turn <laughs> fuel the uh, the need for more and more developers as the companies continue to grow. And um, I think they'll be coming from Cleveland and I think they'll be coming from cities all over the country. Um, and so I, I think that's a really, really incredible opportunity um, with, with companies like Gaper to help open up the tech world to the rest of the country instead of 
just a couple of cities that seem to have gotten it down pretty well, like San Francisco and Boston and, and New York City. Right. So interesting. Uh, wow, that's then I think obviously uh, wherever opportunities you can see, you just have to make your way towards it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So last uh, wrapping up, summing up your whole podcast, what do you think are your insights on several factors, whether it's remote employment or med pilot in terms of uh, not being a remote employment place, but remotely helping clients and healthcare providers, your, your vision for growth and, you know, everything, just summing it all up, how would you, what would your insights be about all of this? I really feel like for, you know, our company, as well as most companies, to be able to harness the incredible power of a company like Gaper or anyone that is really helping to, to fuel um, remote employment, I think as long as you have the right team in place, you can really take advantage of it. And so I think, you know, for us, uh, you know, if, if tomorrow I wanted to hire 20 software developers, there's mm-hmm. absolutely no chance I could hire them from Cleveland, Ohio, unfortunately, today. I think that, you know, as you're trying to quickly and rapidly expand, um, you need the opportunity to grow remotely. Um, mm-hmm. And with that being said, I, I think that, you know, as we started that trajectory and growth um, and, and really started to take into a, account, you know, being able to expand across not just you know the state but also the country, I think that it's really really good for the cities that we're all in, um, in order to be able to then you know, have a bunch of companies that are growing and expanding and hiring. And so um, I really do believe that you know don't don't get limited by um, or handicapped by the fact that you might be in a city um, like mine that doesn't have you know 50 software developers waiting around for jobs, um, it's challenging to find the right people. And I think that it'll be less and less challenging in the future as we continue to grow. And, you know, there are not, not just a few companies in our uh, cities that are doing big things, but also, um, you know, (laughs) on every street corner, like you see in San Francisco or coffee shops. So I'm really, really excited that remote employment will give the opportunity to, to the Midwest and to other cities um, to grow and expand, which will in turn really help fuel their economy. Yeah, of course, because uh, technology is definitely an exponential growth path. That's for sure. So absolutely, thank, thank, thank you, you so much, Matt. It was amazing talking to you, and I I'm quite impressed that you got to work on such amazing projects that led you to where you are today. It's so inspiring so much. to be able to uh, get <laughs> to talk to such, um, you know, uh, bright minds and able, able-minded people and able-bodied people who bring an idea from conception, from inception, conception out to rolling the whole uh, product out to a market and, you know, being brave enough to fail and learn, relearn, keep going. And four years later, there you have a 97% of customer satisf- uh, satisfaction. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's been an incredible journey and um, who knows, maybe in the future we'll get to work together and, uh, and continue this journey. Thank you yeah. so much for your time. Likewise. Take care. Have a nice day. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye.